for the women coming to the tomb, they would have been able to relate to both Jeremiah's words of despair and also to the hope which he proclaimed. But so can we. Jeremiah's exiled community also would have understood their sorrow. His promise of a reversal of fortune is a promise made to all. The women saw the angel of God and heard his words. We hear that same promise today. Jesus has risen from the dead, and this has worked the reversal of all Satan's plans. Jesus' resurrection proclaims a victory over death, but it is not just a resuscitation to the same old and broken lives which death has taken us. God's renewal, his again, is a thorough remaking of all his creation, including us. Hi, this is Pastor John Edding. Thank you for listening to the Sandhills Lutheran Ministry Podcast. Let's get to today's sermon based from Jeremiah chapter 31, 1 through 6, and entitled, Again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus' body was wrapped for burial, placed in a tomb, a heavy stone, as we kind of recounted here earlier with the children, rolled in front of the tomb to seal his body inside. A squad of soldiers then were placed um, and stood guard over the grave. The story, the story was over. Jesus' disciples were sure it was all over. They were hiding behind locked doors, afraid they might end up nailed to crosses just like their master. You know, there is a Bible word that captures or describes the sense of their hopelessness, their, their hopeless experience. There's a word, exile. Exile is being stuck in a place where you don't want to be. Exile is traumatic. It's terrifying. Jesus was taken. He was scourged. He was crucified. His body laid in the tomb. Their world had, was violently, had violently and abruptly changed. And they were hiding, really, in exile. Hiding in a, behind locked doors for fear. They were stuck in a place where they did not want to be. How were they feeling? They were most likely, besides being afraid, they were feeling hopeless, helpless, and feeling worthless. And again, there's a word for that, and that's right, exile. Now, God's ancient people, just to give some context here to our story today, um, the gospel today, God's ancient people, the Judeans, knew the feeling of exile. The Judeans were taken into exile in 587 B.C. They were forced to travel across a desert, the Middle Eastern Desert, 700 miles across that desert, leaving home and temple and hills. We all know the feeling of exile. 
And ex- the inner experiences of exile take place even if we never move from the street where we were brought up. What causes that inner experience of exile? Well, changes. You know, changes in society, changes in government, changes in values, changes in our bodies, our emotions, our families, can plunge us into inner experiences of exile. And we barely get used to one set of circumstances and then we're faced to deal with another. And we get despondent. Well, Jeremiah knew um, what it felt to be despondent. He had a reason to be despondent and this people needed to hear it, but so do we. They were in exile. The, the northern ten tribes were long gone. Little Judah uh, remained a tiny fragment of a once great empire, now reduced, exiled. And, but Jeremiah sees hope, and he gives us three great again statements. The adverb again epitomizes resolve. You've probably seen an Olympic athlete, let's say a gymnast, who stumbles lose their balance, and fall. And what do they do? Mope? Quit? Throw in the towel? No, they hop back up and they get on with their routine. And before we can blink, they're back at it again. The adverb again in our reading from Jeremiah epitomizes God's resolve. Again, appears three times in our reading. God says, again, I will build you. Again, you shall adorn yourself. And again, you shall plant vineyards. Again, implies resilience, buoyancy. Rather than quit, God does again. God, in other words, God puts right what has gone wrong. God repairs what has become broken. The joyful sounds that had gone silent will be heard again. Let's hear and revel a bit in those three agains in our text again. Again, God will build virgin Israel. That's the first one. Consistently, the prophets had compared the idolatry of the people to adultery. In other words, God's people sometimes were, many times, were unfaithful. And Jeremiah himself used this image. God could have said, hey, I quit. Instead, he says, again. So says Jeremiah. Their virgin state will be restored to them. And he restores the innocence which which we have long lost. And which Adam and Eve lost in that garden long ago. They say you cannot go back. But in God, we do. Second. Again, they shall dance and make merry. Jeremiah's people, they can't imagine any source of joy in their sorrow. God could have said, I quit. Instead, he says, again, so says Jeremiah. All the sadness shall melt away. He dries every tear. You know, we all face trials and suffering, which causes sorrow. And Easter doesn't take away the trials of life, but Easter has changed them. 
And God speaks another again to us. He puts a tambourine in our hands. He puts a beat in our step. And we dance again. And Jesus' resurrection produces that kind of joy. The third again. They shall plant and enjoy their fruit. The invaders had, the invaders that took them on exile dug up their vineyards, burned the fields, cut down all the olive trees. God could have said, I quit. Instead, he says, again. So says Jeremiah. God promises to rebuild. And we sometimes measure ourselves by our ability to produce, by our production. But God measures us differently in his kingdom of new life. We are all productive. We shall plant the vine and enjoy the fruit. You know how much value you are to God? He died. Jesus died. His son died and rose again for you. That's how much he values you. That's not based on what you can produce. God kept kept his again promise. 538 BC, God stirred Cyrus to issue a decree. And just to paraphrase Ezra 1 verse 2, this Persian king says to the people, God's people, you can live in Judea again, go home. You can rebuild that temple and worship again. God kept his triple fold again, promise to his ancient people. And he keeps it to us today. So let's go back to that sense of hopelessness of the disciples that set in on Good Friday. All the joyful sounds being with Jesus was gone, had gone silent on that Good Friday. Uh, silent as a tomb, no pun intended. They were hiding. They were exiled in their fear. As far as the disciples had, were concerned on Good Friday, the Holy Saturday, it looked like God had said, I quit. That's what it looked like to them. But God the Father already had another again up his sleeve. Actually, on Good Friday, a great victory was won. It, it was, that was clear, but it was unknown. Let me illustrate it this way. The Duke of Wellington led the English forces against the troops of Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. This huge war at the beginning of the 1800s. News of the history-making battle came by sailing vessel to the south coast of England, and it was wigwagged overland by semaphore toward London. Semaphore, I think. Isn't that where they use the flags and they make spell out then the letters? Okay. So the capital awaited the news. They didn't have you know, cell phones at the time. right? The capital awaited the news. On top of the Winchester Capitol or Cathedral, the semaphore began to spell out the message to the people who were eagerly wanting to know the outcome, but the London fog was rolling in, of course. right? It's London. The semaphore's short message was W-E-L-L-I-N-G-T-O-N-D-E-F-E-A-T-E-D. Wellington defeated. And no more could be read. Oh, the word spread quickly uh, in London. Wellington's defeat was now made known. The, the citizens were distraught at this horrible setback. England could not halt Napoleon's armies, but the fog lifted an hour or so, and the message was repeated. The singling semaphore repeated the message so it could be understood completely. Wellington defeated, and then the 
next two words spelled out T-H-E-E-N-E-M-Y. Wellington defeated the enemy. There was the whole truth, and it was marvelous. When the forces of evil broke out against God's Son on Calvary, caused him to die. It looked like Jesus was defeated, but when the battle ended, the air cleared, the message was continued. Jesus defeated the enemy. The world, his dying did not end the world. His kingdom was not lost. It had its most amazing victory. God could have said, I quit. Instead, he said, again, just like Jeremiah said. Paul records for us God's greatest again ever. Romans 14, verse 9. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Christ died and lived again. And wait, there's more. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. That's our again. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Again. The message is better than first thought. It's not simply that Christ has died, but that he died and that he lives. Again. And it is that that we can be forgiven. Because of that, we can be forgiven of our sin, live with him forever in heaven. The message is that we too, we shall live. So go back to that, that gloomy room with the disciples, walk behind the, the doors for fear. We know that the disciples were would, what they would soon learn. The story wasn't over. The story was just beginning. And very soon on that first Easter morning, the women and the disciples experienced the new beginning, God's again. Everything changed. Guards fainted in fear. The angel, as bright as a flash of lightning, rolled away that stone, sat on it, and he had a message for the women. Come see, go tell. Come see, go tell. Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. And they saw the evidence for themselves. The tomb was empty. Jesus was alive again. And they went about their assignment to go and tell his disciples. For the women coming to the tomb, they would have been able to relate to both Jeremiah's words of despair and also to the hope which he proclaimed. And so can we. God speaks his again to us this Easter day. He gives us real joy. It's not ours he puts the tambourines in our hands. He puts the, the, the beat in our steps, and we dance again. Jeremiah's people in the agony of Judah's destruction, they could not imagine dancing again, but they did. God always keeps his again promises. Just ask Jeremiah. Amen. He is risen. He is risen. risen indeed. Alleluia.